The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Day here in Newton, Iowa, first half of a NASCAR doubleheader. Johnny Sauter in the wall in turn number four. Sauter has now wrecked Austin Hill. He crosses the stripe first. Ross Chastain will be victorious. The 44 did not rise on the front at all. Chastain was disqualified. That means Brett Moffitt is the winner. Green flag is in the air. Right rear tire, the issue for Tyler Reddick. Contact, not once but twice. Christopher Bell, he will win the race. Well, welcome to NASCAR America. I'm Steve Letarte here with the mayor, Jeff Burton, Hall of Famer Dale Jarrett, and dare we say special guest, Nate Ryan. I think special guest, Nate Ryan, which tells you that it was an exciting weekend of racing. There's a lot of news to cover. Nate's going to fill us all in. But before we get to the news, Jeff, Cup Car was off. Trucks got rained out on uh, Saturday night, which put up for a doubleheader on Iowa. You were up there for the racing. What would you think of the weekend? Yeah, I, I love that racetrack. I think that racetrack is a really good recipe. It's worn out. Uh, it's a really cool facility, nice facility. It's, I, I just think it puts on good racing. I love the fact that you can run the bottom, the middle, the top. I thought both, both the truck and the Xfinity race were good races. Well, I know by definition, supposedly, it's not a short track. I consider huh. it a short track. And it looked like short track racing with beating and banging. But, Nate, in the end, it wasn't even what happened on the racetrack that perhaps got the biggest news. Right. First race of the day, the truck race, Ross Chastain. I mean, he goes on and dominates, wins the race, but then after found he failed inspections, what's the news of today? Yeah, so, Stevie, in the uh, Xfinity Series and the Truck Series, you have a minimum ride height requirement, and Ross Chastain's truck measured extremely low, according to a few NASCAR officials after the race. So he failed the post-race inspection, and under NASCAR's new policy, when you fail anything post-race and you're the winner, you're, you are disqualified from that win. So they took the win away from Ross Chastain. The team announced that it will appeal. It, it filed that appeal today. NASCAR hasn't set the day and time of that appeal yet, but they are targeting Wednesday for that appeal to be heard. And the team has said that it will argue that Ross Chastain's truck sustained damage that caused it to be low. So that's the argument they're going to make. And they only get one shot at this. They get one appeal, one chance to say, hey, we think that NASCAR erred in this decision. Well, I got to think before we get into maybe Chastain, I think we should look at it from the NASCAR side. Jeff, your opinion on NASCAR removing a win. I mean, basically taking a win away. We haven't seen it in some time. They, they threatened it to the teams over the offseason, and here we are. They finally did it, take it away, away from one of the national series. Yeah, we, we had this, this discussion quite a bit last year on this show about whether they should take wins or not. I think for certain penalties, they should take wins. I think minor offenses, you know, things happen. I don't think they should take wins. You have to remember that they do have tolerances, right? They do have a, post, a, a post-race tolerance that gives the teams more – more uh, room for the truck not to come up. And they, they told the Xfinity teams and the truck teams in the offseason, if you're low, this will, this will take the win away. So it's you and I have dealt with it. We've had <laughs> wins taken away, yeah. and it hurts. And, and Ross Chastain drove a great race yesterday. He got up on the wheel and made it happen. 
but you know you have to have rules and and rules have to be enforced and with them telling the teams in in the off season that they would take wins away if you were too low that makes it kind of cut and dry yeah, you know, it, it's never an easy situation. NASCAR doesn't want to be put in this position, but something did have to be done because we'd seen too many times that, you know, we were talking about an infraction that came along later, and we couldn't just let that continue to happen. And, you know, whether it be points and, and fines and things like that, that wasn't getting the message across. Uh, and I applaud NASCAR for making this change for this year. Um, the unfortunate side of it is it probably the very first time happens to a team and driver that this would have made a huge difference for them to have this win in, in a lot of ways. Uh, the the $50,000 bonus, uh, the win, getting them in uh, if they got inside the top 20, which it looked like they were going to do. So, so many uh, things with that. But you have to go by the rules. I don't care how low budget you are and what team you are and, and what a good driver and good person you are. Uh, you know, everybody has to go by those rules. I just wonder, you know, with – with appealing something like this, you know, is there really any chance that, that that's going to get overturned? So we're in uncharted waters uh, in, in all of this. Yeah, I mean, really, there hasn't been a situation like this that I can recall in recent NASCAR history because generally, as you mentioned, DJ, in the past, NASCAR would impose penalties on our Tuesday or Wednesday. A team would have a chance to appeal that, and they wouldn't be heard till the following week. They've moved to this policy this year that teams were on board with. Teams wanted NASCAR to do this. They, they were tired of having penalties come out Tuesday, Wednesday. They were on board with saying, hey, inspect us immediately after the race. Don't take our cars to the R&D Center. Get it done. And if we're illegal, then disqualify us. And that's where we are. Well, Jeff, and, and what I liked about this whole situation was it happened relatively immediately. I mean, within the hour, right? Yeah, victory yeah. lane, by, as soon as that truck yeah. went out of victory lane, it was inspected. This isn't a Tuesday or Wednesday. And the other thing, and I didn't know where I stood on this, is what were the teams going to tell me? Because while we saw the press conference at the beginning of the year with Steve O'Donnell saying this is what's going to happen, I wanted to know what the communication was in the back channels throughout the series. I called some crew chiefs today, and every crew chief I talked to in the truck and the Xfinity level it was black and white to them that if they were going to fail heights after the race, they would lose the win, which tells me that the message was clear. That's all. As a crew chief, that's all I wanted to know is what box am I playing in? It seemed to be clear to all of these crew chiefs I talked about. You know, I'm with you, DJ. It, it stings for this team, but you can't let emotion in. It has to be black and white. You're either low or you're not. And from what I hear, it wasn't even really close to argue. Yeah, NASCAR said it was really low. And it, it, it's Ross Chastain and his team are great for – the sport. They, yeah. What they're trying to do is awesome to watch. It's He's fun to watch race. He's super aggressive. Uh, you hate this happens to a team, but NASCAR can't pick and choose who they're going to penalize. Yeah. And, and I, I do think, though, Steve, I think one of the things that fans need to understand, because whenever these post-race infractions come up, the fans say, well, if it went through tech prior to the race, how can it be wrong after the race? And I think... That's something that, that you could probably explain and help the fans understand why is there a pre-race and a post-race tech? Well, so the, the situation is I am a, a fan of less things checked after the race with the intent of everybody starting the race legal. But the problem is I also built race cars for many years that took every advantage of every rule possible. And if you're not going to take it after the race, then it's not going to be right. I'm going to make sure that it moves and moves in the direction I want. And that's why NASCAR has put this in. What they did is, though, it used to be a small tolerance. I'm not getting into the numbers, but it used to be like very small, quarter inch, thickness of your finger. Now it is multiple fingers, right? Like it's, it's two, three fingers worth. You're allowed an inch and a quarter of movement. That is a lot. And they did it with the intent of, we don't want anybody to be thrown out for being low. Now, I will say... 
if we had a box for voting up here, I vote no ride heights. I like what's yeah. happening in the Cup Series. Yeah, yeah. But then again, I vote less rules. I like less rules that have to be enforced. Um, but the rules were in place for this race. They broke the rules. That has to be measured after the race until something changes within the rules. So uh, as much as I hate to see a team get thrown out, I think a job well done by the sanctioning body. And um, we'll see how the appeals come out. Yeah, and Chastain's truck did pass pre-race. And post-race, as you said, Stevie, they opened the window up a little bit more. And you get a little bit more tolerance. And obviously, it, it failed with more margin of error. And I think the other big point here is I think Jeff touched on it. I mean, Ross Chastain is such a great story, and now he goes from possibly making the playoffs and being just outside the top 20 to now, this is a 55-point swing. He goes from winning both stages, having 60 points for winning this race, to having five points. And now he's got a situation here where it's going to be much tougher for him. He switched midseason, decided to go for truck points, decided he wanted to try to make the playoffs. He was going to have to get in the top 20. He was going to have to get a win He took a big step toward that yesterday by getting what appeared to be a win, and now he has that taken away, and he's got more points to make up. I'm going to say right now he's going to still do it. I I just I I think he can make the top 20 in points. I don't think that's going to be that big of a deal to do. And I think that as good as they're working right, I know they're building new trucks. I know they're doing things uh, as good as they're running right now. And he and he didn't just you know I was there. I watched every lap of practice. He was one of the best two or three trucks all weekend long. He's going to be in position to win more races, and he's going to have to win. I, he's not going to point himself in, but it would would it surprise anybody here for him to win? And if he yeah. can win, then I think I think he, he'll get himself in the top twenty in points. Yeah, and, and Jeff, you alluded to something that we, we've got a pretty good panel here for this discussion as far as getting a win taken away because the two drivers that are sitting here <laughs> both had it done in the Xfinity series, unfortunately. And you talk about things that were inspected before the race, and then and fans question, well, how can it be? Uh, wrong after it. And, and that was my situation. And my argument in 1995 at Michigan was that the intake manifold that they said was illegal after the race was inspected twice. It was inspected before we ever went on the track and it was inspected after qualifying. And so I, I couldn't understand how that, right. you know, that was a situation. I was with the fans. How can it be right then and it be wrong after the race? And, uh, uh, but this is a totally different situation when you get into heights and things like that. And uh, it, it does hurt, I can tell you. That was my own race team that this was happening to, uh, and it made a world of difference. Well, as long as we're always running vehicles and the vehicles have such an you know, important <laughs> finish on how these races, you know, the outcome of these races, there's going to be inspection. But surprisingly, if you can believe it, the quiet truck series. This wasn't the only story out of the truck series. You would think that disqualification would lead the headlines. But there was also an issue during the race between Johnny Sauter and uh, Austin Hill, which was fascinating and entertaining, to say the least. Outside, outside, still there. Clear, 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 clear one, clear one. Oh, the f- he just spun it and wrecked it. That's what happens when you try to stuff my stupid mother. Yeah, we're done with this guy. Inside, inside, inside. Chasing you, chasing you, standing it, standing it. Hang on to it, hang on to it, hang on to it. He wrecked out of it. He's just destroying us right now. You're fine right here. Your truck's not that bad. You're fine. You can go ahead and put it on the trailer. I'm fine. Don't talk to me. I will whip his ass when I see him later, though. He's got one coming. He'll never change. Let's just stay focused and finish this thing off. We'll worry about him later. What does he expect when he tries to put me in the fence going into one? I'm not putting up with that I don't blame you. I support you. They're going to want to see you at the trailer. I know you guys are listening to me on the channel, and I know you don't like that NASCAR. But that's the second week in a row that guy's wrecked us. You need to watch the video. 
Well, if you couldn't connect all the dots with all the beeping on the radio, basically <laughs> what happened is um, Austin Hill had a little contact by Johnny Sarder going to turn one. He thought it was too much, too frustrated, whatever the situation was. I think we would all agree he went in and wrecked Johnny Sarder, got him in the left rear corner, up the hill. Johnny Sarder went. Then Johnny Sarder under yellow, which I think is an important clarification in this, runs Austin Hill down, wrecks him. They park Johnny Sarder. I don't, I'm confident this is not the end of this situation. So, Jeff, what does it look like moving forward from here? I don't know. I think NASCAR is in a tough spot right here, and here's, here's why. I think if you look at points, if the playoff started today, and let's just say you go back, you find uh, Johnny Sauter 25 points, which is what they find Jeff Gordon when he and Clint Boyer got in that deal. It's zero penalty. It means nothing whatsoever. So I don't know how NASCAR handles this. They're going to want to penalize Johnny Sauter. Uh, they're not going to want to penalize him too big, right? They don't, you know, they don't want to do that, I don't think. But at the same time, if you're going to penalize him, it has to mean something. So I, it's going to be interesting to watch what NASCAR decides to do. Uh, do you do you find them X amount of points no matter what the situation, no matter where they are in points or whatever, or do you find them, uh, penalize them rather, based on the situation they're in? I, I, I think it's going to be interesting to watch and see what happens. Well, we saw the playoff standings. The reason that 25 points would mean nothing is because Johnny Sauter has a win, so he's in the playoffs. We saw Matt Kenseth retaliate with Joey Logano. Matt Kenseth missed races. We saw Kyle Busch wreck um, Ron Hornaday at Texas under yellow. Kyle Busch was forced to sit out races what should happen to Johnny Sauter? Oh, gosh. Yeah, th this is such a debate all the time. And, you know, well, as race drivers, I mean, you're, you're in a heated situation and you're battling hard and you don't always make the decisions that when you look back that you wish you would have made at, at the time. Uh, and Johnny Sauter is a champion. Uh, he's a good race driver. He's a hard race driver. And, you know, I think we've all been put in the situation that – we felt like that we were done wrong. You know, I felt like that the first contact was something that was incidental. Um, and if Austin Hill had gone down in and run into the back of Johnny Salter and not wrecked him, I think this probably would have kind of sorted itself out. But he did wreck him. Uh, but then what Johnny Salter, once we start using our cars or trucks then uh, to retaliate, then it becomes a, a much worse situation. NASCAR has to do something, but to what level? I agree with Jeff. This is a tough call, and, and making this happen in the world of playoffs now, where a win and you're in and taking away points. And, you know, the trucks, as we know, that you know their fines can't be the same as what they are in the Cup Series because the money uh, differential there. Yeah, and these are discussions that NASCAR is going to have tomorrow when they do their weekly post-race analysis with all the competition officials. They'll sit down. They'll figure something out. We might know something by late tomorrow afternoon on what further punishment could await Johnny Sauter. I'll say two things. One would be uh, there wasn't really any precedent established before the last time something this significant was weighed by NASCAR. That was in 2015 when Matt Kenseth wrecked Joey Logano out of lead at Martinsville. Kenseth got parked two races, uh, was, was made to sit out for two weeks, and there really hadn't been a precedent established prior to that for, for that kind of punishment. So that was interesting. And then I'll say the other thing, that the example you bring up, Stevie, about Hornaday and Kyle Busch at Texas, Kyle Busch's penalty in that instance was he sat out the remainder of the weekend. He sat out the Xfinity and the Cup race at Texas. He was allowed to return the following week. If you talk to some NASCAR officials now, there, I think there was some remorse about did we sit him for too long and have him sit for two races in other series? Maybe it should only have been one race. Yeah, so, so I felt like when Matt Kenseth got penalized, I thought that was too severe. And here's why. Exactly what you said. There had never been an, an example of that that was that severe. And NASCAR at that time, and I think mainly Brian France, decided this is a different situation. You took a guy that was in the playoffs 
and and with a chance to win a championship, and you you took him out with a wrecked race car. So does that change this conversation? And I think that, but then I go back and I think about the Clint Boyer, uh, uh, Jeff Gordon situation. It was the same thing. Clint Boyer was second in points. He had a, still had a chance to win the championship, although an outside chance. Jeff Gordon took him out, and he was only fined 25 points. Right. So this ball has moved. And, and this, this decision that they make on what they're going to do with Johnny Sauter isn't going to just impact the truck series. It's going to impact every series. Oh, yeah. Because yes. it's going to set yes. an example of what you can and cannot do as a driver. And I think that's why it's so difficult. So for me, this is where it no longer becomes racing. When two people wreck for position, no matter how blatant the situation is, I don't feel that should ever be refereed. Two guys on the racetrack, that's between driver and driver. That has nothing to do with any of us. And DJ, if you don't like what Jeff did, that's between you and Jeff, and you need to go work it out. As a crew chief, that's what I always supported. When it starts to happen by cars that are multiple laps down, like Matt Kenseth, or even more importantly, when it starts to happen under yellow, that is unacceptable. There are safety cars on the racetrack. There are safety trucks on the racetrack. I mean, whether it's three seconds into the yellow or 30 seconds into the yellow, when the track goes under a yellow flag position from a guy that used to jump over pit wall, that's no good, right? Like you, you, That has got to become so. I think the severity for Johnny Sauter has to be swift. I would like to see a suspension or the loss of playoff points, but nothing that removes him with an opportunity to race for a championship. Now, he should feel it. So the suspension maybe will take an opportunity to win playoff points. Maybe you take away some playoff points. But you can't kill a guy's year. And I think that's what's going to happen if they lose, you know, if he's not eligible for a championship. We'll see what they do. Um, but either way, one sleepy truck race in Iowa. I mean, we've had a lot of, I mean, we, we had a whole segment between a disqualified winner and, and a wreck under yellow. We've had a lot to talk about. You know, a lesson, a lesson for every race car driver in this, in my opinion, is all of this started the week before. Yeah, they yeah. were still mad at each other yeah, about what it, right? happened, Something right? Happened. Yes. Yeah, right, and it, right, t- right. it only took that much to, 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 you know, to spark the fire. So, you know, people laugh. You know, Kale didn't used to text Donnie. Well, you know what? If you need to text somebody just to, to clear the air, even if you agree to say, you know what? What you just said, I completely disagree with. You need to communicate. Yes. Because you're going to race each other. You're going to get together. That's what racing is. And you better find a way to communicate. And I heard, you know, Austin Hill, I heard him in an interview say he, you know, he, he kind of tried to have a conversation with Sauter or looked at him, and Sauter, you know, he felt like kind of just said, don't want to, you know, I, I don't know. Well, I wasn't there, I didn't see it. should it. be. But, right. but you better find a way, right? I mean, you and I yeah. have had tussles, yes. and you, you've got to find a way to have that conversation because I promise you, you are if, if you and I get together yeah. Saturday night, we're going to find each other next week too. That's it's just all, always how it works A great out. example is Logano and Kenseth, right? Because yes. Kenseth was primarily upset with Logano because he never got any sort of Contact, not even an apology. I think he was looking for Jeff, but after Logano was spun or spun Kenseth out of the lead at Kansas, he never heard back from him after yeah. that. Yeah. And I think if Logano even wanted to have said, "Hey, I know you're mad, but too bad, I was going for the win," that that might have kept Kenseth from wrecking him at Martinsville. You think this would be a lesson that would be learned? But I promise you one thing: this won't be the last conversation we have <laughs> about two drivers wrecking each other. That was just the truck race. Coming up on today's show. It's Christopher Bell, the man to beat in the Xfinity Series after his Iowa win. We'll discuss. And can Kyle Larson and Jimmy Johnson rise to the occasion with the playoffs approaching? And what message did Indy 500 champ Simon Pagano have for Dale Jr.? Stay tuned to find out. Gorgeous Sunday evening. Happy Father's Day. It's go time at Iowa. 
and Redick off the pace having problems coming to turn two. They're just saying on the radio, look at the right rear, potentially right rear flat. Bell able to get the lead, and for the seventh time this year, he is going to win a stage. And Christopher Bell, just like he did in stage one, he's in front at the end of stage two. And look at that oh. rough contact. Bell to the inside, trying to get the lead back from Cole Custer. Christopher Bell is a short track ace. His fourth win of 2019 is going to come at Iowa Speedway. Absolutely great car, guys. Great car, thank you. Won on Mother's Day weekend when my mom was there. Now I won on Father's Day weekend with my dad here. Thank you, guys. Well, it was the Christopher Bell Show in Iowa, and the playoff standings look like that. With that win, that gives Christopher four wins atop the playoff standings with 28 playoff points. Right behind him, though, Tyler Reddick, Cole Custer, each with three wins. And we can't forget Michael Annette's big win back in Daytona. He's locked in. But, guys, I know those four names are the only four in yellow. When I look at the standings, uh, no, no offense to the back half of this, but at 91 points late in the season, unless we have a crazy finish at one of the road courses, I'm feeling that this playoff field is reasonably set so that means in my mind I have to turn my attention to who perhaps is the favorite now I mean they've kind of handed it back and forth like Reddick, Custer huh. who's your favorite your pick man I watch one race and I'm like he's the guy I right, watch the next right. race and I'm like he's the guy I, I, man it's gonna be who gets hot you know I mean who gets yeah. hot at the right time and and but all three of those guys we're, we're gonna the conversations have been about the big three uh you know with with Cole Custer uh, Chris Rebell and 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 um, Tyler, Tyler Reddick, yeah. and I think that's going to continue. I, I just think they're going to continue to be the guys you're going to have to beat if you're going to win the championship. Uh, I just don't. I just don't right now. I don't see other people that have the speed to go up there and take it from them. But I am. I'll just say excited for that. I, I think this series has had a couple standouts each year. But when I look at the leaderboard this year, I mean, I think Justin Iris still hasn't won a race. I expect him to go win races. That's four guys that I could put yeah. racing for a championship. Yeah, there's no doubt. And you think about putting them on the track at Homestead and the way those guys go at it, that would be an outstanding championship of four if you throw Allgaier in that mix with those uh, with the big three that we've been talking about. So, yeah, there's a lot here. As you said, you know, the, the standings probably aren't going to change because of the points yeah. difference. But uh, Road America, Jeremy Clements, a couple of years, you know, things do happen, and they have three road course races. So uh, you just never know what, uh, what might come out of that as far as that goes. But I'm not sure even if that happens, it'll impact what's going to happen when we get to, uh, towards Homestead and, and knowing that these drivers are the ones that have performed at the highest level for the entire year. But they're fun to watch. Those drivers, they give it all. And Christopher Bell, I think he got tired of everybody kind of talking about Cole Custer and Tyler <laughs> Reddick there for a while. He said, hold on, I'm still a big part of this. Well, he did. And, and you know, there's something about these standalone races that, um, and we've seen more of it with the limitation of the cup drivers in the field, but I think it shows a little bit clearer of what it's like when they line up heads up, which is yeah. what the playoffs look like a lot. Um, we continue to bring up Justin Auger because he doesn't win. I, I was a little worried. He had a little bit of a rough patch, and I think he actually outperformed his equipment. When I go back and watch that race, I know you were there. Your son was in the race, um, which, by the way, I think he passed the most cars of anybody there. <laughs> Pit Road wasn't Harrison's friend, but that's what short track racing is. And I kind of saw the same thing with Allgaier. He'd restart on the bottom sometimes. He'd fall back, but he kept kind of surging to the front. Why he didn't go compete for the win I thought it was a must-needed, solid run for the seven cars. I think the Xfinity Series has always been that experienced guy. You know, we grew up racing against, you know, Jack Ingram or Sam Ard, and there's always been that guy. It was Elliott Sadler for a while. He's yeah. moved on. Now it's Justin Algar. 
And when I watched Justin Algar, and I watched him a lot yesterday because he and Harrison were together a lot, Justin Algar and his experience, he 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 did not have, they just didn't have the car that you expect them to have yesterday. Mm-hmm. But he he put that car in position and said, okay, I'm gonna get this finish. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, they haven't shown the speed, but if they can find just a little bit of speed and you with his experience and his desire to win a championship, I just don't think you can count him out. And I and and he impressed me. Every time, the more I watch Justin Algar race, the more impressed I am. He he continues to improve, continues to advance. He's a really really good race car yeah. driver. Knows how to make lap time. Knows how to manage a race. He he's he. I, I just I wouldn't count him out. I would not count him out being at Homestead with a chance to win. Yeah, and even though he knows how to go fast, I think that team and organization is missing an Elliott Sadler with his leadership. He knew how to make cars go fast and get the job done. Tyler Reddick leaving there uh, because obviously you knew exactly where you stood because he gets everything out of the car every single lap. But uh, I think they're finding their way back and Justin all got very capable of making all of that happen. But I want to talk about your son, Harrison Burton, mm-hmm. uh, for the entire weekend. Did a great job in the truck race yesterday, first thing. And then I was very, very impressed watching him in the Xfinity car. He just, you know, he doesn't have a lot of time there, second race, but he just did an outstanding job. And, and you know, I know that uh, this is a racetrack that he likes, uh, but you know there's more to it than just liking it. You have to go, and there's a lot of pressure with jumping in that 18 car, yeah. you know. And we've seen drivers get in there and not perform at the level that you would expect. But Harrison did a tremendous job, Jeff. And I would say that whether you're sitting here or not, you've got a race driver there on your hands, and, and it's fun to watch. And and for it to be somebody that I watch grow up, that makes it even more fun. <laughs> but he really knows how to get the job done, and and it was really impressive to watch him because yeah, I know they didn't get the job done on pit road the much as they were used to and wanted to, but it also put him in a good position to see exactly what kind of driver he is because passing there even though you've got a couple of lanes it's not the easiest thing uh, not to use your equipment up well and, and not just Harrison while I was very impressed with Harrison another young name that kind of was towards the front all day long Zane Smith that junior motorsports yeah. car yep. not a lot of experience in these big heavier race cars two guys that you mentioned all guy so so not as an analyst but as a dad and a mentor to these young guys in the field do you feel that Allgaier, Bell, that's giving those young guys the right people to learn from? 100%. That's yeah. what you want. I mean, that's what's great about that series and the truck series as well. You have those guys that have been around for a long time, and they're going to teach you. You may not want to learn it all, because, yeah. <laughs> and the way they're going to teach you, you might not want to learn it, but that's what it's all about. I mean, they're going to they're gonna take you to school, and it's your job to learn from them. Yeah. Well, listen, we've talked trucks. we talked Xfinity because the cup was off. But, guys, the cup series returns this Sunday at Sonoma, and there's a new twist but it's actually an old twist. It's complicated. The course is complicated. We'll talk about Sonoma next.
Well, that gets me fired up. As much as I like doing these studio shows with you guys, I love covering some live racing. Just a couple weeks away, we're going to be heading to Chicago. Are you ready? Ready to go yes. back to the booth, get Gosh. some work done? I was ready in November, man. I miss, <laughs> I miss doing it. Love, I love doing what we do, traveling and uh, doing what we do. It's so much fun. I'm ready to get going again. In Chicago, you better be ready. That's yeah. an action-filled race for sure. And as the playoff standings are heating up, the summer, I think, is heating up. It's going to be fun when we get back on the air. Yeah, no doubt. Speaking of heat, I think it was like 150 degrees there last year when we were <laughs> in Chicago. So, But you never know what you're going to get uh, with that. And it's such a great track. And just uh, looking forward to the kickoff. Well, that's in two weeks. But there's still one week left on our partners at Fox. They have this week at Sonoma. And the Cup cars head to wine country with a different look, though. A track that has shown some outstanding racing, a little bit of a change up. We're going back to the Sonoma and Old. So as you basically see the layup, look in the upper right-hand corner. 3, 3A, 4, used to go straight across to 7. Now it turns into that big 5, 6, 6A complex known as the Carousel. Gentlemen, we have seen it. I love this change. What do you expect to see with this change this weekend at Sonoma? Well, you've got more passing opportunities now. You just opened up two passing opportunities that weren't there. Uh, and I understood why they reconfigured and why they went to it. It was for the fan experience, but it didn't provide as good a racing, uh, for, especially from the driver's seat, the opportunities you had there. So this carousel is so much fun. It's a lot like a short track where you're in and out of the gas, trying to get the rear tires to hook up and make as much speed as you possibly can. And then when you go back up the hill, so to speak, uh, there's another opportunity to outbreak somebody or to run into them, one of the two, and we'll probably see both happen. Now, I, I understand no one in the field has run this course. Yeah. And I so... For those of you that are watching, <laughs> there is a tire barrier on the oh. outside of that carousel. Oh, yes. And if you carry too much speed, it will yes. eat you up. And that is that was when, when we used to run this course, that was an unbelievable place to set somebody up for a pass because it is that long left-hander. Yep. And if you can beat them, you know, beat them off that corner – Get, get you put a little nudge on them, get them out of the groove. It really it brings a little bit of a short track element to the race, but the the penalty for making a mistake there is huge. Yes, I mean there is no there is no runoff. You're not just going to spin. You're going to be in that tire barrier, or maybe it's a different barrier today. But that is gonna, that is an element of the race that I'm I'm really looking forward to watching. I think it I think it just. I think it's going to make the racing a lot better. Well, you guys are talking about the racing. Well, from a car setup standpoint, from the Crucci standpoint, Sonoma needed that valuable left-hand corner. Why there are lefts at Sonoma, yeah. there were none that I cared about. <laughs> Basically, it was your job and your job to get through the lefts because <laughs> the race was won in all of the rights. I mean, look at it. Turn 11 is a right. Turn 1 doesn't count. Turn 2 is very tough up and over the hill. It used to be turn 7. You know, turn 10 at the bottom. All rights. You need that long left-hand corner. That's what the carousel provides. But, guys, it's even more than just that. We talk about road course racing. We talk about fuel mileage and strategy. Well, now we have a shorter race from 110 to 90 laps because of the length of the circuit increasing. We talk about crew chief, save fuel under yellow. Well, we've seen cars with elevation issues. This just adds a whole nother one. Used to be able to coast all the way from the top of the hill. Now there's more climbs and pitches. There's so many unknowns it's really going to come down to execution and maybe creative, right? Who can get creative and find a new way if there is a new way yeah. to call this race? Yeah. I think the first practice is going to be interesting as these drivers get out there and try to negotiate this and then figure it out, too, as to what they can do in the race. And and I really believe that even around that, it's going to take – and I realize – this goes without saying with the course being longer as far as fuel mileage goes. But I also believe that with what they're doing there and the way that you have to drive, that the fuel mileage won't be as good either because you're going to be in and out of the gas a lot and you're down into lower gear going through there. So I think that's going to affect a lot of things. And I'll just 
let you know this too. I turned a lot more than a lot of drivers did there, even though most of them were right-hand corners. So <laughs> I, I still had plenty of lefts going. <laughs> your point, listen, your point about uh, adding, a, adding a left-hander is, is I hadn't thought about that, but yeah. now the car does not drive as good. Right. You know, in the right. Yes, in the right. So you know, you climb up that hill going to three, that's a really difficult right-hander. The S's, now the car is not going to handle as well yeah. down through the S's. That is a really good point. And 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 think about 10. It's a it's a it's a sharp right-hander leading to a braking zone. Yeah. 10 just got more difficult for the drivers. So that that element of you know do I need to be, how good do I need to be here versus over there that's that that is a great point. So that's the conversation of the racetrack. Let's talk about the race. We saw it at Pocono. The decision. How are you racing? Are you racing for mm-hmm. points or are you racing for the win? So if we have a chance here to look at the playoff leaderboard on the Cup Series, it comes down to some big names. We mentioned Kyle Larson, Jimmy Johnson, right barely on the edge. Ryan Newman, Eric Jones breathing down their neck. You look in front of them, William Byron, Daniel Suarez. Those points can be given up easy. Clint Boyer, Mr. Hates Stage Points, doesn't know how he gets stage points. Every week he has a comment about stage points. So, guys, the leaders are going to come to the two or three to go at the end of these stages, and it's very simple. If you want to win the race, you'll be on pit road. If you want to collect stage points, you'll stay on the racetrack. What are the crew chiefs and drivers from about 11th on points back going to do? So I think it depends on what kind of road racer you have as your driver. Mm-hmm. I think you have to look, you have to honestly, and the driver has to honestly look at himself and say, what is a reasonable expectation for us to get today? Yep. Now, I'm, I'm here on the road course talent, right? Can I win this race? And I'm really honestly going to have a shot to win this race. What's a reasonable outcome? And I think that the strategy gets, gets based on that. If you, if you have a road racer, a guy that can win races, I think you go there with the intention of doing whatever you got to do to win a race. If, you are, if you're a team that says, you know what, mm, don't have such a great road course program, whether it's the driver or the car, I think you have to start chasing stage points. Well, so you mentioned road course drivers. An interesting thing, no A.J. Allmendinger in the field. This is the yeah. A.J. Allmendinger show. Right? Yeah. Every year we'd say, don't forget, he can win at the road courses. I'm not saying there's guys that can't win on the road courses. I think anybody in there can, but I don't think there's a standout road course racer currently outside the playoffs. Maybe uh, Michael McDowell, who's way yeah, out, right? Yeah, like, Yeah, outside, but I think there are drivers that are looking at that, and somebody that comes to mind is Kirk Bush is outstanding at it, and he doesn't have that win yet, although he's run extremely well. So that could put somebody else in there, even though he's uh, done a good job of accumulating a lot of points throughout it. But I, I agree. I think that if you're a team and a driver that says, you know, winning would have to just fall, kind of fall in our laps, I'm not going to go as a driver and win the race, then you set a number of points that you want to get, and you run the race that way. And I think that this track that they're running now opens up some passing opportunities once again. So before, if you made that wrong decision and you got yourself way back behind, very difficult to pass. Even cars that were quite a bit slower than you, very difficult to make passes and, and gain some spots back. So I think this opens up the opportunity. Take advantage of others pitting before the, the stage ends, getting some stage points there, and then being able to work your way back up to where if it's 40 points you want to get for the day, uh, that's a very doable situation. Longer laps, more passing zone, double file restarts, fresh tires are going to matter. If you thought there were some unhappy people after the truck race, <laughs> just wait till Sunday because I know they're going to run into each other so there. you think there'll be a late race uh, restart with a wreck? Well, there's going to be a wreck. <laughs> it's just a question if the car gets stuck and we get a yellow, but there's definitely going to be some wrecks. Well, guys... Sunday was Father's Day, and up next, current drivers shared their stories about what their dads have meant to them. Yeah, going to the track, it was always my dad taking me. We had a lot of fun racing, and 
Um, he was super dedicated at doing whatever he could to, to help my racing career. So you know, we won a lot of races and had a lot of really good times. The first time I ever got in a sprint car was, was really cool. My granddad was there, my dad. It's the last time my dad ever got in a sprint car. I remember on the way down, uh, he asked me, he's like, hey, are you ready to, to get behind the wheel of it? And I was like, oh yeah, I'm ready. I was 15 at the time. And uh, then at the end of the day, I got in and uh, made about 10 or 15 laps after I came off the track. My dad said he was done and I raced the next week. My father and I, we got into racing just for fun, but unfortunately he didn't have the, the, the money to, to do it 100%. So we wanted to go to race to Las Vegas. It was, a, it was a national championship. And my dad told me, hey, Daniel, we have two options. We either fly or we drive. Pretty much if we were flying, we were, we, we were not gonna be able to race. We left Mexico, all the way from Mexico to Las Vegas. That took like three days, and I was thinking to myself, there is no way I'm gonna drive all the way from Las Vegas, all the way back to Mexico, thinking that I'm finished sixth or seventh. So I drove my heart off and I finished fifth. My dad had no idea what racing was all about, so I was dragging him to the racetrack every weekend, showing him what we should do, getting in the pits, watching the cars and everything, and uh, it was amazing to me how much he cared for me because he really learned how to how the sport works, and that was pretty special. You know, the week, uh, after I lost my dad, I went and ran a short track race on Monday, and uh, we ended up winning that race. And it was a, it was a pretty big late model race, and um, my dad was on my mind the whole night. But definitely after the checkered flag, he was, uh, you know, forefront. Pretty storybook. You can't really ask for much more than that, and it's definitely, uh, you know, something he would have loved to see that we went on with that race. My mom, and my dad, uh, we we would go to the racetrack. That was really what we did. Uh, I remember when I was probably four years old and my father and I you know going up the street in his, his late model so it's definitely been something I've spent a lot of time with both my parents and my brothers when we were racing and but a lot of time with my dad in the shop and really I would say teaching me to be the person I am today to be a hard worker to never give up and, and to chase after that dream so many cool stories I'll be the first to, I'm only sitting here today because everything my dad taught me in racing he worked on your championship team as a car builder at Robert Yates Racing Last week was his 67th birthday. We celebrated it. Um, works currently at Chip Ganassi part-time. And I remember, so, I mean, I, I don't have a memory not at the racetrack in New England growing up from Thunder Road to Beach Ridge and then in the South. So uh, without a doubt, I owe him everything when it comes to my racing career. Yeah, yeah. mine kind of came in a reverse. You know, obviously, I grew up around it. My dad was racing whenever I was born. And, and so it, it was all that I knew growing up. And uh, But, it, you know, I was 20 before I ever got in a car then. So, But he was there supporting, helping whatever he could, uh, doing everything. And so, you know, the sport of, of NASCAR racing has been everything to my family for as long as I've lived. Yeah, my, my dad took Ward to a go -kart, local go-kart track and, and uh, immediately caught the bug. And then, you know, he drove us all around the state of Virginia racing go-karts and went with us all late model races and uh, still goes to a lot of races today. And, and uh, you know, without our fathers, I don't, you know, none of us would have learned what we learned and yeah. had an opportunity to be in this sport because they, they all, you know, they kind of paved the way for us. Yeah, anybody in any sport that gets to the top level, right, they were fortunate to have a great support staff, I think. Yeah. Uh, that's one thing that's very consistent. Guys, well, coming up, we're going to find out who's stopping by the Dale Jr. download when we come back. Be ready. I'm coming for you, Dale Jr. on your podcast. <laughs> 
you know, Dale Jr. always gets the most interesting characters, and that is his guest on the Dale Jr. Download, Day, uh, excuse me, Daytona, Indy 500 champion Simon Pagano, making a little fun at, uh, what was it, uh, what was the uh, character? Talladega Nights. Uh, I knew the movie. What's the character, though? Jean Girard? Uh, I just wanted you to say it. That's kind of pretty good. I've only seen good. it once. To be clear, you're the only one that can pronounce it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a long word. If it's a long word, you let Nate announce it. But Nate's joined us again. So uh, Dale Jr. Download had Simon yeah. Pagano. You also have a guest on your uh, podcast? We're taping a NASCAR and NBC podcast tomorrow with one Ross Chastain, who we had set this up mm. long before uh, what transpired at Iowa on Sunday. But, I mean, he's already such a great story. I mean, he has been an underdog throughout his career. And, of course, every, it seems like every time something good happens to Ross Chastain, unfortunately, it's followed by misfortune, whether it's, you know, he has the accident with Kevin Harvick last year and then he wins uh, the next week at Las Vegas, mm-hmm. or he gets the the Xfinity ride, and then it gets taken away from him when the sponsorship goes away a couple months later. So uh, this Iowa situation, I think Jeff's right. This is the latest chance for him to overcome adversity, and now he has a chance to maybe prove everybody wrong, make the playoffs again. Man, he's, I, I, I'm convinced he's built for it. I'm yeah. convinced yeah. that oh, he keeps yeah. showing me that. I mean, he just has a great attitude. Like it is what it is. We're going to move forward, and I, I think he'll. I think I think that he'll go. Uh, to this weekend's truck race, and he'll be he'll be a contender to win the race. Well, I'm excited to listen to the podcast because what I've learned by listening to all these podcasts is why we have a chance to talk to these drivers in small snippets when they sit down and put the headphones on for a long format. I think they, they really relax, and you really see their true colors. And his true color of everything I've seen has been a big smile and excited to be driving. I'd love to see if you get a continuation of that, if there's more to the story. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and I think, you know, I, we've probably all heard it from our dads about getting involved in the sport or whatever you get in, there's going to be ups and downs. And, you know, I had the same conversation with my son, Zach, who's a baseball player. And, and so it doesn't change. But when you see Ross Chastain get all of this handed to him, I'll be very interested to hear because I know you'll get all of that out of him. And comes at, it is funny how things happen uh, whenever you have things set up and uh, you yeah. just can't make these things up. Yeah. It's going to be very interesting. Well, he's a return guest. We had him last year and he was terrific. And I'm yeah. expecting he'll be good again tomorrow. Oh, we've built it up now. Yeah. Now, no <laughs> pressure. No pressure. This is gonna, I mean, this is no highly anticipated. So well, basically what Steve was saying, if it's not good, he's going to blame it on you. <laughs> <laughs> we proved the chest thing can do it. All right, guys. Well, up next, we've got shout-outs from the weekend. Sunday, the race for the IndyCar Championship heads into the woods of Wisconsin. Don't miss the action at Road America, Sunday at 12.30 p.m. on NBC. That felt weird. There is an X and a U. I'm Rick Allen. I'm Kyle Petty. I think I could put enough bloopers together in this three-day stint that I'm up here that we could do a show. I just Just him. (laughs) Just him. I have no doubt we could have enough bloopers between the three of us to do an entire show. But, hey, a little making fun of Rick. That's going to get us right into shout-outs because Rick Allen is my first shout-out for the day. We mentioned Chicago a couple weeks away. Well, the play-by-play man, Rick Allen, 50 years old today. So happy birthday to our man, Rick. And as you can see, still in track and field form. Uh, we pick on him, but he is the leader of the ship. And you see what happens when we take him out of the booth. It gets to be a mess. So yeah. we keep him in the booth. Uh, that was a great. Happy 50th birthday to Rick. And he is, he is like, he's our cornerstone. He's the guy that keeps all of us kind of grounded because you know, we are 
drivers and crew chiefs. We get a little <laughs> wacky every now and then. Rick, yeah. <laughs> Rick keeps us centered up. Yeah, happy birthday, baby. I have to say, and I mean this seriously, he might be the youngest 50-year-old that I know anywhere. Yeah. I mean, the man's in great shape, got a great golf swing. I don't know if the score I was gonna, nice shows swing. that. Nice yes, swing. good swings, but... Hey, happy birthday, buddy. Kind of like an air guitar. He's got a mean air guitar if you ever see the uh, on-camera stuff. You know, and his fitness program's crazy. He just sits on the, sits on the couch and drinks beer all day. <laughs> <laughs> How he stays it's in working. shape like that? <laughs> but apparently he's on Twitter because I think that gets us to our second shout-out, right? Uh-huh. So Brett Moffitt, um, Rick Allen's asking, so does Brett Moffitt get the 50000 And according to Brett Moffitt, he says bet, which tells me he doesn't. Mm-hmm. But I think Brett Moffitt deserves a shout-out. Um, he ends up winning the Iowa race, didn't get to go to victory lane. But everything I've seen handle it, even from the simple thumbs up, hasn't taken any shots at anybody, just enjoying the win. Hey, uh, he deserves a lot of shout-outs. And this team, uh, for a lot of reasons, with what they put together and what he does, this is a tremendously talented race driver that handles things in the right way, uh, no matter what comes at him. And uh, really, you know, it's unfortunate the way that it all transpired, but uh, they were he's a class act in that, too. And he's had his own set of adversities, trying sure. to get his opportunity in the sport. And he's When he's had the chance, he stood up tall and took advantage of it. Yeah. But while we're talking about shout-outs, Listen, I got to tell you, I was in Iowa Speedway all weekend long, and those guys did a great job. That facility is it's it's ready to have you know it's you get in trouble. Don't send me letters or anything, but it's it, it's ready to have a cup race. It it would it, it could support a cup race. The grandstands are nice. The facility's nice. Uh, everybody I ran into, the gate guards, everybody was just yeah. so friendly. Uh, I just I had I, I had a great time there, and I want to I want to give a shout out to the racetrack because I thought they did a really nice job. Everybody says they want more short tracks. We're not going to get into the definition of short tracks. All I'll tell you is a shorter track than what we race at most of the time. It races like a short track. A lot of slipping and sliding, beating and banging. It gets my vote for sure. Oh, absolutely. I've enjoyed every time that I've been there. You know, this place was designed by a race driver. Rusty Wallace did the designing of this track, and there's no better short track driver in my mind uh, than than Rusty Wallace. And uh, the fans have been tremendous. They support the play. Uh, it would be fun to watch the cup cars race there. Well, guys, we had a Monday with no race, just some truck and some Xfinity. We got Sonoma back on action oh. and then rest up because I'm excited. We're only a little <laughs> bit away. We got Sonoma and then NBC back on at Chicago. It's going to be a blast. But that's it for us here in Charlotte. Coming up next on NBC San Sam, how about this, guys? The World Archery Championships. Did you qualify? Because I didn't. I did uh, not make the last round. No, okay. <laughs> All right. Good night. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.